welcome back to Hard Ride. Oops. <laughs> I think that's how we're going to start right there, actually. Yeah. Let's just go with that. Jack just opened the show in a southern accent. Couldn't be any more perfect way to open the show. Nailed it. <laughs> we're back. Kyle, Jack, Jim. By now, you guys have heard Full Circle because that came out yesterday, which was Monday. Today's Tuesday. The episode that will be coming out. the correct chronological order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm a little bit out of sorts. I don't know why. I think it's because of Kyle's tweets earlier about Jonas Brodeen. These two were going at it. It was great. We'll get to that, though. Yeah. Cool. A couple things we're going to talk about. We have a guest coming on in a half an hour. Actually, less than a half an hour because we took too long bullshitting before the show. Approximately 23 minutes we'll have a guest. Let's start off the show, guys, with some of the kind of end-of-the-year press conference quotes that we saw, some from Elaine Vigneault, some from Chuck Fletcher. I want to start out with Elaine Vigneault because one I thought was interesting was, excuse me, how he mentioned a guy like Claude Giroux needs to do a better job of taking care of his body as he ages. Did you guys read into that all, or you just take it for what it is? If he had more injury history, I would have, but he's been on the healthier side of things, so maybe it's foreshadowing. It, it, he thinks it's coming, uh, but I I didn't read into it too much. So I kind of took it as he's not doing the right things now, you know, which I don't want to say concern me because we could we could clearly see that. Claude Giroux's losing a, a bit of a step, right? Especially, uh, I guess, early on in the season. He kind of, to me anyway, he kind of was looking more like the old Claude Giroux towards the middle, towards the end of that regular season. Uh, he just, what's kind of shitty is I think he has to adjust his game now. You know, he's not that guy from 2011, 2012, 13. He's older Claude Giroux. How is he going to adjust to today's game in this, what is he, 32 years old? 31? Down there. I mean, he's an old guy now, quote-unquote. You know, To me, 31 still seems young. I mean, you see guys uh, still tearing up the league at 31. But I think he's going to have to adjust. How he's going to do that remains to be seen. But I kind of took it as, and I'm not going to speculate because I don't know, that he's not doing the right things already. So he's going to have to make some changes for the future if he still wants to be uh, a top six effective player you know Kyle any thoughts there I'm not sure what it means I mean maybe too many grilled cheeses I don't <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what AB's talking about I'm not around so Jim it seems like you took it about uh, I took it as injury like he he worried about getting injured it seems like you took it as possibly conditioning for himself for the future you know for being able to play better and keep up with the speed or at least closer to hit not losing a step like you were kind of alluding to uh mm -hmm. i took it as straight up not getting injured as he gets older you seem to have taken a different approach do you think it was a subtle jab potentially um i think vino kind of knows what buttons to press with certain players and for Giroux, if the head, like, I feel like a guy like Claude Giroux doesn't care about anybody's opinion, but I think he would care about Elaine Vigneault's opinion. And I feel like if Elaine Vigneault is kind of calling him out on some things and he, 
that wasn't like, let's just say he was calling him out in a way. He did it in a press conference so everybody could hear it. But he also did it in a way that's not going to, you know, make Claude look bad, you know. Uh, so if I'm Drew, I'm kind of like, well, what am I not doing already to take care of myself? You know, like why he's coming, he's coming for me. You know, what do I have to do different? And we'll see. Hopefully he does some different things. Hmm. That's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, it tells you how he feels about Drew's trajectory and yeah. some concern there. Uh, maybe again, because so the way my brain works and I have a hard time because sometimes I, I get in trouble with this stuff. I never take anything for what it is. I read into everything too much. Okay. I, I know that that's a fault of mine. So maybe with this, it's just a quote, you know, Claude Drew's getting older. Obviously he's got to find ways to stay healthier as he gets older. Maybe there's nothing more to that. You know, maybe he's got to change up his workout routine. Maybe it's, he's got to do, you know, he's got to do something to stay in better shape to prevent future injury. I don't know. But I read into things a little bit. So when I heard that, I'm like, that's interesting. Like, he didn't have to say that at a press conference. He could have went to Claude Giroux personally and said, hey, you got to figure out how to take care of your body. You're getting old. You know? Consider, well, considering he really hasn't had much of an injury history where he's missed extended periods of time, yeah, maybe I under, I see why you're looking into it. You know, we're not referencing Giroux had a stretch where he was injured on and off the ice with a groin injury or hurt his knee or yada yada. He's pretty much been there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe there is a, a little bit of smoke to that statement. I I don't see why else it was made, to be honest. Publicly, I, anyway. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So I thought it was an odd thing to, to say publicly. So people have the option to look into things, and they also don't. So... The other thing that I thought was interesting was Chuck Fletcher was uh, quoted as saying something about uh, needing more depth on defense. And if we look at the Flyers' defense, without counting, you know, RFAs and free agents, looks like they got it. You know, we're talking about Provorov, Myers, Niskin, and Sanheim, um, Shane Gossespierre, Mark Friedman, and then obviously the guys that aren't signed: Robert Haig, uh, Justin Braun. Am I missing a guy? Uh, I feel like that's it. Not really, yeah. So he's looking for more depth, which tells me he's not counting on guys like Sam Moran being on the roster. Uh, maybe not planning on bringing Justin Braun back. Robert Haig's kind of in limbo. He's not an RFA, is he? He is. He is, okay. So it kind of tells you that they're going to be looking for somebody to pair on that third line. And let's say that they do keep Ghost around. You know, they want to figure out if he still if he still has anything left. Maybe it, let's just say maybe it was the knees the last couple of years or the hips, whatever the hell it was. Whatever excuse we can give them, and they want to give them one more year to figure it out. They just got to find the perfect pairing defenseman. Uh, what do you guys foresee happening there? Uh, well, if you want defensive depth. You're going to pretty much keep everybody you can except for Braun. So I think that means Hag's back. When we broke down some of the numbers on full circle, I had some wishful thinking and hoping you can get Hag for under a mil. Uh, I read from Charlie O'Connor's article that if they were to give him a, um, uh, to, I forget what it's called, but they, they can uh, tender him. If they tendered him that contract, it's already over a million. So that's going to hurt. Because they're really tied up against it. But it also tells me they're probably not looking to move Ghost if they want defensive depth. Um, I don't know how that's possible. 
if they if they really absolutely had to, they can get they can bring back a team and ice a team with their cap, but they wouldn't be as good as they were last year. You'd be relying on a lot of rookies, a lot of, not rookies but prospects. You know, you'd have to have Bunneman, Frost, Farabee in your top on your offense. Um, you'd have to have Friedman on your defense with, with Hag and a ghost in the lineup full. Um, you got to hope for some kind of you're letting. Yeah. I wanted them to resign Pitlick. That tells me they're probably not going to, unless he, I think Pitlick has better served hitting the market. I think he'll get more money that way. Potentially years. I've seen something where he's looking for three years, possibly $2 million. Um, we'll see what happens. The flat cap could hurt that. That's another thing. So it's one thing to want. It's another thing to do. And I don't see a whole lot of options here. The only thing I think it's for certain is Braun's not coming back. Any thoughts there, Baldy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If we're not talking about UFAs, which, I mean, we would have to be talking about because obviously... Nobody's coming up next year and providing defensive depth for the Flyers. If Ghost plays, then who's your seventh? Friedman? That's if you re-sign Hag and Myers. Well, you're definitely going to re-sign Myers. But if you re-sign Hag and Myers, you have Ghost, Hag, and then your seventh is Friedman? That's, that's not defensive depth. Like when I when you tell me you want defensive depth, I need a serviceable guy in that seventh position. Do you know it what sounds I mean? like that's what he's saying. But where's the money coming from to get that? Well, you got to get rid of ghosts. See that the, you're getting rid of one defenseman to bring in another, and yeah, but you're getting rid of one defenseman whose cap hit is four point five million to bring well, who in. Who are you bringing in? And is he any good? I mean, Braun was three point five, and he was no good either. Yeah, like but who are you, you bringing could, in? Well, I mean, if you look if you look down the list, I mean, you can go to a guy like uh, Nathan Bellew for your third pairing defenseman. It's not a bad that's not a bad name for your third pairing defenseman. He's not going to cost you a lot. Well, you're dipping into free agency. You're already probably going to play pay more than what the player is worth. So, I I mean, how did he do last year? Who was he even with? Winnipeg. So Jack, I agree with that statement right there. But I think, and I mentioned in the in like the group chat the other day, I'm see so we don't really know how this free agency is going to go, because normally we'd say, oh, this guy made let's just say 1.5, he's going to hit the market, maybe he gets two million. But this year, with the flat cap, it, like teams are a little bit more in a crunch for lack of a better word. They don't have the luxury of extra couple million to sign a guy they might really want. Um, so I used a guy like Nathan Bolio for... Uh, Bolio? Bellio. Feel- Bellio. Bellio. All right. He comes around. He's making, I don't know, 1.375. Maybe he's he making, gets... Last year, and this was his 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, ninth year in the league, he was only making $925,000. Okay. Let's say he gets like a million bucks. You know, that would be, yeah, that would be a cheap replacement. Is he right-handed? No, unfortunately, Bellew is left-handed. Okay, so but for an example, uh, and that's if they move Ghost, though, so. Right. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, 
I was, dude, I, this is how much of a, a life I have. The other day I'm scanning like cap friendly. Is there any cheap RHDs out there? And there's not, there's no cheap right-handed defenseman out there available for trade free agency. I didn't so much look at, uh, cause he mentioned that they're not going to be huge players in the free agent market. Now I imagine if you're going to go after a guy making a million that, you know, that kind of qualifies as not being huge players, but you know, I just kind of looked for trades and there's not much out there that you'd want to trade for that would fit the bill for a third line, uh, right side of defenseman making under 2 million. So the thought kind of crossed my mind. I think Justin Braun was making, was he, what was he making? Like 3.5, something like that. 4.2. Uh, Braun, you said, yeah, I can't remember. 3.5. Okay. So with the flat cap and after seeing what he did in the playoffs, cause I'll be honest, I, I enjoyed watching him during the regular season. I think he was a steady presence in the playoffs. Yeah. You absolutely have. I don't even know if it's an argument that he did not look good. I wonder if if they are interested in bringing him back, if they can use that against him. Like, hey, buddy, it looks like you maybe lost a step. Why don't you take a pay cut and stay here for another year? A prove-it type thing. Because, uh, And here's where, you know, the unusual circumstances of the flat cap comes in. Is somebody going to pay him 3.5 or $4 million now? I think if it was a regular free agent market, somebody might take the shot, pay him $4 million over two years, something like that. Now, I, I wonder, though, is somebody going to pay an aging Justin Braun $3.5 million? No. You know? So I think, I think even in a regular season, off season after the playoffs, um, I don't think he'd make four. I doubt he'd even make three and a half. Uh, with the flat cap, I, what you're potentially, potentially getting at, yeah, maybe. But I don't know if we have the money to really – it, he'd have to be making significantly less money than what he made last year. Now, that does happen, but it doesn't tend to happen with the same team they played on. Right. If I'm Braun I'm gonna, and I want money, I'm going to test free agency first. I'm not just going to take a pay cut. And that's including the flat cap. You know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. And it might come around that all teams are in crunch time, which is kind of strange why the Wild signed that huge deal. Um, there is a lot more to it than that, but it is a little strange. Um, I can't see him just openly taking significantly less money. And the only way the Flyers do keep him with their cap strap team right now is if he takes significantly less money. And I'm talking like 2 million is like the max and it's on a one year deal. I have no interest in Justin Braun coming back. Neither, neither do I at this point. I I don't go ahead. In my personal opinion, at this point, there is enough free agent defensemen that you can stop gap or provide that defensive depth through a move like a Nathan Bellew or the countless hundreds of other defensemen that are free agents this year. Yeah, but it's got to be a right-handed guy, though. That's it doesn't what he have is. to be shit. Mm, it has it to be a defenseman that can play NHL hockey. But if you're Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault, you want the right-handed guy. That's what Justin Braun is. Definitely prefer it, but if the um, situation, it's not ideal, you kind of have to bite the bullet. Um, I, I, I really honestly believe the Flyers are going to do the best they can to, uh, what's the word, just bring within, build from within, to replace from within. We might see it more on offense, and maybe some of that extra money, if there is any, goes towards D. But we're going to have to see what they do with God. Because you know that I heard there's a chance Thompson can come back. That's the case that, and I'd rather have Pitlick, but that would be cheaper. 
And if they are looking to make cuts, they might save some money there. You have to see what happens with Elliott. I think they're going to bring Hag back. I don't think they're going to trade Ghost. And I don't think they're going to trade JVR because if I'm another team, I'm not trading for JVR. Um, so they're going to be a little bit handcuffed here. And it's going to be curious to see what they can do. And I think they're going to re- start relying on some of their prospects. Um, I do think we're going to see a little bit more Freeman than we'd like. Um, if Hag is a full-time regular, that could be an issue. So I, I understand I the guess. need for a guy like Braun. But at the same time, as Kyle is saying, he's a replacement level defenseman and they could save money pick go just get another guy and i'm not all that worried about left or right handed when he's your third pairing defenseman all right so i narrowed the search down the solely right-handed defenseman here and excluding your high-paying guys like alexander petrangelo um a guy like dustin bufflin if he wants to come back would you guys take a flyer I, Dude, I think missed, he would still be too expensive. In fact, well, he missed a whole year. And fat. He is fat, ain't he? <laughs> they would love him. At least the old regime would. I don't see why the new regime wouldn't. Just I bring still Sam Warren just, back Like if you're going to do that. He's cheaper. <laughs> I, I do think Buffalo would go to the highest bidder at that point. And I don't yeah, think me that. too. Okay, so you got guys like, uh, for instance, Cody Cece. That wouldn't be terrible. But I, what did he make last year? Now you're fucking me all up, Jack. You know yeah. who I did see is available, that Borowetsky guy. $925,000. CC? Cody CC made that. No, he made 2.8. Sorry, I was I was going to say, but how old is he? <laughs> I was looking at the wrong, wrong year. I mean... Okay, I know. Okay, but Chris, Christopher Tanev, Travis Hamannick. Hamannick's going to do what he can to stay on the Western Coast because of that issue he had. Right. You got a guy like T- TVR. Not that I really want another Van Riemsdyk on the team. Actually, I'd be okay with TVR. But I feel like him and... See, I don't know what kind of style player... And this is if Shane Gossespierre stays, which I think he's gonna. What kind of player needs... What kind of player suits Ghost? I don't know. I haven't seen him play well with somebody since he... And I don't even know if you want to consider them playing well. Since he played on the top line with Ivan Provorov. So... You're not going to get Ivan Provorov on the third line. What kind of player does Ghost have to play with? I don't know. Like a guy that's just going to hang back so he can do his thing? But I don't understand what we're talking about because as far as I'm concerned, Ghost is gone. I don't think he is. I'm just saying. Maybe maybe a birdie told me. I mean, if you're another team and you got a flat cap, you're going to take on $4.5 million for Ghost? I'm signing Brodeen for six. All right, let's move on to this real quick. At least have he's a four minutes very left. good defense. <laughs> the man has defense in his position name. No, he's I a sex-pairing, like, slightly above-average defenseman getting paid $6 million a year. Slightly above-average. <laughs> I think he's a little bit better than slightly above-average. But they're also saying goodbye to Dumba with this deal. Yep. So it's like they – I think they figured instead of paying him, who's clearly the better defenseman, but instead of paying him oodles of money – they decided to go an alternate route and take a lesser talent for lesser money. I think it's it's six mil because it's eight years. The thing about that is, I don't what I don't get is the flat cap has got to hurt them in the short term. And by the time it's long term, the guy's going to be like 30, 30 in his thirties now, and he has been very good defensively. Doesn't offer too much offensively, but that's okay. He's a defenseman. It's the timing's a little. 
I thought they would have went with a shorter contract. That's just me personally, but it is what it is. But I, I don't know how that's going to affect the other defensemen because with the flat cap and with it not really making sense, and I don't know. I feel like Minnesota overvalues their own players. It's particularly defense, if you've noticed. They've always had and a higher players. value on D. Look at Zach Parisi, has he freaking ever shown up for a playoff game for Minnesota? <laughs> Probably, or maybe early on. I mean, <laughs> that, was, that was a really strange offseason. I will never forget that. We lost Yager because of that crap. That was Holcomb's fault, but... Like that was the strangest thing, but I, you know, I, I like the the Brodine signing. I don't, I don't hate it. The timing, time. the timing is a little. If it wasn't for the flat cap, I really Jared's, wouldn't find it. Jared Spurgeon's making seven point five for the next well, seven the years at least. Have to Again, Minnesota overvaluing their own defense. Consider inflation: six million dollars now. Like ten years ago, that would have felt like eight million. It's Ten years ago, it's it's a little rough, but it's not too bad. The flat cat thing is what makes me kind of like scratch my head with the timing. I thought they would have went for a shorter deal and tried to get by. And you're also, like I said, Dumba's easily their best defenseman. There's no way they're they're going to keep this guy. He's going to be traded at some point. He's going to be the number one guy. Trade rumors come out of Minnesota now. I could see him going for a centerman. I don't know who, but like I could see it happening. Look for Toronto. Toronto and Minnesota be talking deals. Nylander and Dumba. And then, I mean, it makes sense for both teams. Uh, I wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't, I definitely don't hate it. The flat cat makes me scratch my head, but there is definitely a premium on defense. There always has been consider inflation. I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Yeah, I like it. I'm just. I'm looking at but, Minnesota's team here, and they have one, two, three. They, I think they got like almost thirty million locked up in their top four defensemen. I think it's actually twenty-seven million. They have seven players signed after next year. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So they, they still, they need can a still like, yeah, yeah. Like I think what they're doing is they're putting a like a core group of guys. It looks like it's going to be Spurgeon, Suter, Brodine, Parise, Zuccarello. But and their their core group is head. like. 28 to 35. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Shit, man. This is an old team. I actually let's did enjoy forget, watching though. them, though, in the Let's playoffs. not forget. Let's not forget. When this team fired their general manager, Hexall was interviewed. And it's, uh, the word on the street is Hexall came in and said, you need to do pretty much what he did with the Flyers. You need to break it all down and rebuild. And they said no. And that's why they hired a former player with not much general managing experience. I think it's Bill Gerwin. Yeah, Bill Guerin, yeah. Yeah, to do the best that you can to win now. And it's not that it's bad philosophy, because it kind of is. It's they just they just need to make money, and they need to put ice some kind of team. So that's kind of why I get why they locked him up. Dumba does not fit into their financial plans based on what they'd have to shell out to get back. And that's why I think they made the decision they did. The only thing, and you know what? Who saw this flat cap? crap coming like before covid they probably so already had this in their plan to go up by like three million next year exactly so this was probably already in their plans unless they got really lucky and they're probably thinking we could trade dumba and get a lot a decent back decent amount back and build from there so i'm i think it's a combination of having to they're one of those cities that's not a cap team they have to Put a product on the ice that does the best it can to be competitive and make money. Meanwhile, they're going to slowly try to, I don't want to say rebuild. It's more of a retool. And it's a little bit of both, like 
put something out there now which they honestly don't think they can compete with. But at the same time, they're going to add prospects and picks. And before you know it, they're going to... And they got a guy from Russia coming over who everybody's very high on. I don't remember his name. I think he's actually a year away. Um, he's, he, yes. he's coming over next year, next season. I, I heard, I heard there's a little, there might be a pause on that. I don't really know. But he's not. he can't do it himself. But they do have some prospects. So maybe they're going to put that... If you have a young offensive core and you have an older veteran defensive core, maybe it works out. We'll see what happens in goal. Maybe they make some moves. Maybe they get something legitimate back for Dumbo, which they can you know, work with. So um, I don't think this is done yet. I'm not going to kill him for it. Dumbo, Dumbo will go to Pittsburgh for fucking Matt oh Murray. Oh, God, don't say it. He'll go to Pittsburgh for Matt Murray. If they do that, I would I would be furious with Minnesota. Like, come on. You got to wow. get more than that. Maybe. <laughs> I could see that happening. Bomb Pittsburgh, I would definitely look into something like that. But anyway, to get back to Ghost with the flat cap, I it's it's very hard for me to see them getting some team picking up that contract at least this year. We'll give them the GMs a year to figure it out and see more of Ghost. You really didn't see too much of them last year. Um, or before the year before. Oh, and not to mention. After uh, the free agency starts, the Flyers, I, I don't know if it's this year or next, they pay him a bonus. So once after the bonus is over, he's a little bit cheaper off financially with the team. I think the cap hit's still the same, but the city wouldn't have to pay as much. Certain teams might look into that as a positive. Um, I just, I don't, I can't see a team doing it right now. There's, I think the flat cap hit everybody, I don't want to say by surprise, but COVID did. And they're going to reshuffle the deck a little bit. I don't see any major deals going down, at least on the Flyers' end, and I would consider Ghost being moved a major deal unless they absolutely eat it. If they trade him for like a horrible pick and still eat money, that's the only way I see it happening. Um, so, I, I yeah, and, and then Fletcher's going to talk about defensive depth. Well, if you need defensive depth, you don't trade a defenseman. And I don't see them taking the money from Ghost and – putting it back into their defense. I, I think they would just rather stick with Ghost and try to make it work. W- you know, worst case scenario, they're right where they were. Best case scenario, he improves his value, and you can either use him or trade him for something worthwhile then. Kyle, no thoughts there. I already said what I said. Ghost is getting traded this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to take bets on this? Don't I still owe you a nug of weed? <laughs> What was that over? I forgot about that. I said, you, uh, who the hell was that guy? He was going somewhere, and he went, he signed somewhere else. So was it was it Kovalchuk, maybe? Uh, it was like one out of like a thousand chance or something. Yeah, <laughs> it was a pretty bad bet on my part. This is why I don't gamble. <laughs> I mean, he probably, probably hammered and just made a, at the time, he was probably like, 100%, no chance. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how that went, I think. So... We have a guest coming up on the other side, guys. We're going to do a quick anchor commercial. Hopefully you stay till the other side. We have Mike Yaniello coming up, uh, the PR guy for the Lehigh, Lehigh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms. <laughs> uh, it should be a, a fun interview. He spends a lot of time around the players. He knows the guys uh, pretty well. So we're looking forward to talking to Mike on the other side of this commercial. One second. Okay, guys, we're back with our special guest, Mike Ionello, the PR guy for the Philadelphia. I'm sorry for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Mike, what's going on? Not much, Jim. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. 
we've been trying to get you on for I feel like the longest time and it's finally time to get you on so thanks for joining us uh, yeah, no problem yeah so we're excited to have you so let's talk about you first for a little bit Mike I mean you grew up in the area right no I'm actually from Connecticut originally get the hell out of here so did you move down here for the Phantoms yeah um, I, I got a job. I started with the Phantoms December 2018. So I've only been here for about a year and a half. But you okay. went to Penn State, correct? I did, yeah. started, so grew up in Connecticut, went to Penn State, graduated Penn State uh, 2015, moved, I got a job in, back in Connecticut uh, with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, uh, Islanders farm team. So got a job back home. Uh, we moved back to Connecticut, worked there for three years, and then had a girlfriend in college who's originally from this area. So we had been doing that kind of long distance thing for three years. So then when the Phantom's job opened, I could move closer to her. So I kind of, I was, and I was ready for a change. I was ready to get out of Bridgeport. Um, so I made the jump to Lehigh Valley in, yeah, 2018. So it's been about, been about a year and a half now, a little more. Did you, do you like working away from home? Like you said, you couldn't wait to get out of there. Is it better now that you're away from everything and it's not the, the team from your area? Um, I, it wasn't really about home. I just really want, I just was kind of looking for something new. It wasn't necessarily getting, getting out of like home area necessarily. Um, like obviously I, I'm, I miss my family and stuff. Um, it was just a combination of things with the organization <laughs> started to change there. And I was kind of, just starting to get fed up with some things. Um, and then doing the long distance thing with a girl for three years is tough. So we were able to move in together finally and not have to do long distance. I mean, that was pretty much the biggest reason, but, and yeah, I was kind of looking for a change. You did it for love, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, my, my second question yeah. was going to be. The reason anybody like... moves anywhere, isn't it? For a girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of my second question. Um, you kind of alluded to organizational changes going on up um, with the Islanders organization. Can you get into that at all? Um, I mean, first, I just want to start. I love, I love working there and I still have a lot of friends and family there. Um, but just like with, when Lamorello took over, obviously things kind of got stricter and uh, I ran their social media. I kind of did a different job. I was more social media and uh, their rules got, they, you know, the Lamorello rules got pretty strict at times and it would be frustrating for me um the trickle down and it was just one of the things too or to, to really no fault of anyone there just i mean bridgeport's like 28th in the AHL in attendance it's just a it's a really tough market especially for an islanders farm team competing with rangers fans bruins fans so they're so like they struggle so much with ticket sales that they almost become desperate for ticket sales so it became one of those things where it's like everything we had we did had to be ticket sales and for my job it was kind of like hey sometimes i just want to post the funny meme and it's like well how many tickets is that meme going to sell us and it's like i don't know dude i just want to post it like because it's funny and i kind of got sick of that feeling like everything i did had to be like oh well, we got to fill the building it's like okay but it's twitter like calm down don't they understand that if you can are constantly trying to make a sale it's going to turn people off they didn't understand that. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that kills me. Well, now you're with us. So there's that. So immediately, um, the difference between that organization, and I don't mind shitting on the uh, Islanders organization right now after they bounces from the playoffs. So uh, the biggest difference that you saw when you came over, what, what would you say that is? Um, definitely the fan base. 
Um, I think the Phantoms have a really, really strong fan base. And I think you see it with this area in general. I mean, you see like Hershey's up in the top of the league, even, I mean, they've kind of tailed off a little bit recently, but Wilkes-Barre always does well. Redding, even Redding does well. Like I think that the fan base in general in this area is just so strong and so passionate. I mean, we have a Wednesday game with no promotions and we'll get six, 7,000 people who just want to watch hockey where minor league sports tend to tailor to like families and family friendly and like, Hey, what should we do with the kids? But I think the Phantoms have such a built in hockey fan base that just wants to watch hockey. That kind of makes everything a little easier to have that built in built in cushion where you know, you're going to have a packed building. Yeah. I can tell you just from us three here, I mean, we got some legends that were just AHL guys like Frank Bialois and Kyle could have a season show based on guys that just played for the Phantoms, you know, and it's the, the animal, the, the passion is definitely <laughs> there, baby, yeah. you know? And, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about your day to day? Um, so my job is, is public relations and, uh, community engagement. Um, so obviously it's, it's kind of different in the off season. Um, during the off season, obviously this this year is totally different, but it typically off season. It's kind of uh, I, I do all of our community events, so like we have a couple couple school programs we'll do, like uh, our Bully Busters Unite program and our uh, Get Out and Live program. Kind of two educational programs for kids. Where uh, me and Melvin will go into like elementary schools and teach kids like tips for anti bullying, um, healthy living, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, booking like hospital visits for the players, um, going into schools, doing readings like that. Um, that's kind of a big part is just getting out in the community. And we have such a great fan base, like I said, so it's, it makes it a lot of fun when people know who we are and we come into a hospital and everyone's wearing Phantoms gear and excited to see us and know who we are. Um, then the PR aspect is kind of coordinating those events, making sure the players are where they need to be, when they need to be. I also handle all the media requests, whether it's, practice interviews like i know obviously with you guys if you want to interview someone like you go through me um post game media same thing like that uh transactions to like dealing with the flyers um writing the press releases for the phantoms as far as who's getting called up or sent down or whatever it may be uh trade signings that kind of stuff so uh it's one of those things kind of a little bit of everything it's i feel like it's it's always hard to do like a day to day because I feel like it, it changes every day and I'll, I'll come into a, a given morning with a list of 10 things to do and I'll finish my day and I'll have done 25 things, none of which were the 10 things I had written down in the morning. So that, that's kind of what what a day is like in PR where you just never know what's going to what you're going to be doing that day, but you know, you're going to be busy the whole time. You mean to tell me for the anti-bullying campaign, you don't just bring Sam Morin around? Like, listen, if you guys are bullying, you got to deal with him. <laughs> yeah, we, did. We, we, we used to joke last year we were going to have Tyrell Goldburn come in in case anyone. Uh... <laughs> so who's um, your, do you answer to, I, I'm sure you don't see much a, a guy like Chuck Fletcher, but like, do you see the assistant general managers? Are they your bosses or they delegate to people who delegate to you? Yeah, typically it's, I mean, I, I yeah, I'll, I'll like talk to Chuck here and there, but like typically uh, Barry Hanrahan or Brent Flair is usually who I'm dealing with. Um, like if we have a transaction, I'll hear from them like, hey, Mike, we are calling up so-and-so at, you, like you can announce it at four o'clock. And I'm usually, it's usually on an email chain with like Zach Hill and 
Joseph Dill, the Flyers PR guys. So it's kind of a group effort. But if it's something specific with us, maybe like we're sending a guy to Reading, then yeah, I, I typically get it from either Barry Hanran or, or Brent Flair, the the two assistant GMs. Does Reading have its own like public relations system, or do you help with that? Or because I know they're such they're ECHL, they're a lot smaller. They have their own organization, or are you guys doing a little bit of both? Yeah, no, they have uh, David Fine. He's their PR. He's their broadcaster as well, and he's their PR guy. So same thing with. So usually the way it works is like it is kind of like a funnel system. So like if if a guy's going up or down from the Flyers, like I have to kind of wait till the Flyers post it. Like I'll usually hear from from Zach or Joe, like, "Hey, we're going to announce this at four o'clock," and then I post it at like. 401 and then vice versa where if it's a guy's going down to Reading or we're calling a guy up from Reading I'll text David with Reading and just be like hey we're announcing this tomorrow at 10 a.m like be ready so it kind of is like I, like he kind of waits on me I wait on the Flyers and we kind of sometimes that can be a pain because I know there's, there's definitely times when the Flyers will like call a guy up like and we have a game that day and I'm kind of like come on guys. Like we have a game. Like I got to do a lot of stuff today. Like, can we announce this soon? And I'll have to kind of wait on them. But yeah, so that's just kind of how it works. So a lot of being on the same page and just keeping the information throughout all the three organizations essentially. Yeah. But it's, it's cool. I think working the HL too. Cause like, obviously like someone like me, like I want to be in the NHL one day. So it kind of almost forces you to get a good relationship with the NHL PR staff. Like I know even when I was in, in Bridgeport, that's something I like. I worked really well with the Islanders PR staff, and they were always awesome. So it was kind of cool where you build it. Like I still talk to the Islanders PR staff all the time, and you kind of you kind of build relationships, which I think is is always just good and helpful. To, you're you're working with. I think the affiliation should have a good kind of everyone works together. Would you well, go up watching? I'm, Go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jack. Uh, I actually grew up a Bruins fan, so. Boo! I know. I, I, I always. I, I hated the Flyers briefly in 2010, but I, I quickly got over it in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, On your profile here, it says favorite sports other than the Phantoms, and you didn't you didn't put down the Bruins, so at least you were smart not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kept that one to myself. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I'll root for the Flyers. Like, I mean, I'm still a Bruins fan, but I'll root for Come the Flyers on. basically well, every game except when they play the Bruins. Just because, like, I mean, it's hard not to get sucked into a team when you work for them. And especially, like, again, in the NHL, you get to know the guys. Like, it's hard not to root for, like, Myers and Obey Bell and Carter and stuff like that. I was going to say, do you find yourself rooting for players more than the actual team itself? Definitely. Um, Especially, like, I mean, I was like, if the Flyers were still playing, I'd root for them. Like, obviously, I wanted them to, to win. But, yeah, definitely, like, I'm happier when – I was happier when Meyer scored than I was when Provorov scored just because it's Phil. And, like, same thing. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I do tend to more root for the guys who I, like, know personally. Like, even now, like, with the Islanders, it's like – like, I don't really care. I mean, I, I'd prefer the Islanders one than Tampa. But it's even then, like, the guys like Ryan Pollock, Devon Taves, Scott Mayfield, like the guys who were with me in Bridgeport, like I definitely want them to play well. So I, I root for them just because I want them to be happy, I guess. Did you see any issues with uh, Josh Hosang? Like what's that, what's that guy's deal? Oh, how long you got? 
Oh yeah, we got, <laughs> got all night, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to, the, the, the PR answers. Uh, he's immensely talented, and I, I, I wish he could figure it out. Let's put it that way. I think any narrative out there that there's anyone to blame what Josh was saying is incorrect. I think I know sometimes honors fans want to blame whether it's the Sound Tigers coaching staff or. Islanders management for not giving him a chance. And I know that's not true. It is, it is no one's fault, but Josh's. Um, I don't know. He's, I hope he figures it out. I think he's, he's a good guy. I think he means well. I think he just kind of makes, he does things he shouldn't do and he kind of can't get out of his own way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll, guess I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I heard it was the alarm clock's fault, but that's just me here in Philly. So. Yeah, that wasn't the that's just, that wasn't the only alarm clock incident Josh has had. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of one of those patterns of not not really getting it. Um, I mean, I, he was nice. I just I hope he, I hope yeah, I know he's I think he's playing in the KHL next year. Wow, and he'll tear up that league. I, I know that for sure. He's gonna put up numbers because he is sick with the puck. It's just yeah, he's kind of can't get out of his own head. I can't believe he never got it figured out up there, man. I was actually looking forward to seeing him play because you heard so much about his uh, his skill. This thing was like he would he would go on these runs where you're like, oh my god, this kid could score every time he touched the puck, and then he gets he get called up, and then he gets sent down, and then he would just kind of pout for a month and wouldn't do anything, and then like just doesn't really kind of try at times, which is and he's the type of player where like he's not like a grinder where if they're kind of just, you know, at least they're throwing their body around. Like, if he's not trying, it's, like, very noticeable. <laughs> Where you're, like, he's literally not even skating. He's just standing there. Yeah. Oh. Sounds like some of the flyers from this past playoffs. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> you saw the same thing, huh? Smart man. Hey, here's a question for you. So, did the uh, flyers public relations guys travel with the team to Toronto? Um... I think only Zach Hill did. I'm not positive about that, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think they all did. There's there's three of them. I think I think only one of them did. Maybe two, but I really don't know, to be honest. Okay. I, I was going to ask team, you a each, question. Each team uh, was about 50 total people. Okay. Got you. All right. I was going to ask you a question, but I think I'm going to change my mind there. Only because – well, I'll ask it anyway. No, I feel like I have to. <laughs> yeah. So – Obviously, you guys have relationships with each other. All the, you know, Flyers PR, uh, Reading PR, Phantoms PR. You guys kind of know what these guys are up to, you know, when they're not playing hockey, right? Mm-hmm. You guys, you know. I mean, here, I guess, I don't, like, I have no idea what goes on in Philly typically, but I know what our guys, I guess, are doing. Okay. All right. No, I think I'm going to stay away from that a little bit. I don't want to, you know, I'm just going to move on. So being the guy in your position, you have to tell these guys, you know, obviously the good news, hey, you're getting called up. Uh, but what about some of the tougher conversations? Like, hey, buddy, like you just got traded. Like, can you can you take us kind of through that kind of experience? Um, well, luckily, I, I'm not the one that has to actually tell them, which oh. is good. That's usually Scott Gordon. Um, I think it's Gordo usually. Um, so, like, I don't have to really have the hard conversations. I know. Um, every guy obviously takes it differently. Just, I mean, you see him in the room after, and there's some guys where I feel like, especially the way those bubble guys who kind of go up and down, 
Um, there's certain guys that I feel like you just can kind of tell, like, let's say when a guy gets sent down, it's always like, all right, how's he going to be? And I always think that kind of, you can tell a lot from a player based on his attitude and his mood when he comes back down. Um, like there's certain guys who don't really change their attitude, which is usually the guys who end up going back up in my opinion. Um, like you have like when Connor Bunneman came down, like he was just so happy to get that opportunity to play in Prague and to play in the NHL that like, yeah, obviously he was bummed and he wanted to get back there, but he wasn't like pouting. He came down, he was happy. He was the same bunny he was last year and he was thrilled to get that opportunity. And he came down and he worked hard and he got called back up. And I think that those type of guys who you feel like you can just, they come back in like nothing's changed. Those are typically the ones that I feel like get called up. And then the ones that come in, they kind of mope around and they're, they're, they're very clearly pissed that they're there. Those are the ones that I feel like take longer to get that next chance. Um, as far as like head, me, who, what kind of guys like that? Like, how, how about Vorobiev? Was he like that? Mm-hmm. For those of you who can't uh, see, we have a little snake movement going on. <laughs> he he was way he was he was way better about it this year. I think last year he kind of did that a little bit. Um, I think it showed. I think he'd come down and you could see he'd struggle for a couple of games in the AHL, which is something that a player like him really shouldn't be doing. And then he'd kind of snap out of it, he'd play well, and then he'd go up. But maybe it took a little longer. Um, this year, he was he was way better about it this year, in my opinion. I mean, I always just felt like he was kind of more friendly this year. Him, him it's always tough to just because he doesn't really speak English. So it's like mm. he could be miserable or he could just not know what anyone's – like he could just not understand you. Like, so it, I, I, I like Russian I, I, is just like an angry language anyway. Like, no matter what he says, <laughs> it's going to sound mean. Yeah, like he just doesn't – like. I mean, he, like, he's not as just bubbly and talkative because he really can't. I mean, part of, I think, too, this year, I think what helped him is having, like, Rubsov and, and Shushko in there kind of – because then you can see, like, when they're together, they're always way happier. Um, I mean, Ruby's great. I, I, he's, Ruby's, like, one of those guys where, like, he always seems happy even though he never talks. He's always quiet. He just kind of smiles and walks around. He, like. He speaks no English, so he's always oh, he's geez, always he's always tough, funny man. though. They'll just, they'll just do like the little like smile and nod. I'm like hi, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be tough, not uh being able to speak to anybody. These guys do they have to like uh, do they have a translator with them, or do they have to learn a little bit of English? Um, yeah, I mean, not really. It, yeah, it's just they got to learn it, and I think it's it's hard, and you see it like. Like I gave a guy like like Maxim Shushko a lot of credit because um, he basically taught himself English and he's uh-huh. pretty good. Um, and then he, like I'm really interested in how next year is going to be because it looks like we're going to have Ustamenko as our goalie for a lot and he speaks like zero English. So I feel like for a goalie especially, like I'm very interested to see how that works um, with him. I know like whoever his partner is, whether I don't know if Lion will be back or we have Felix Sandstrom or if they bring in a guy like. I think it'll be important for whoever uh, his goalie partner is to figure out kind of how to communicate with him. I know, like, even if I need something from Usti, I have to go grab Shushko to, to translate. Like, hey, go ask him for this. <laughs> so, I learned like, hockey English. I know. I hope he can communicate with the defense while he's out there. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm like. I'm, I'm very interested to see. I mean, obviously, like, he was fine in writing. He did great in writing. It's not like they speak English either. So 
I'm sure they figure out back there next year too. Maybe you can help out a little bit. That's true. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, clearly they make it work. I'm just curious how they do it. He speaks no English. Dude, how how pumped are you? I'm sorry. How pumped are you guys for that team next year, man? Well, hopefully they get a full season in if they play at all, but that team's loaded. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, it's one of those things where it's the NHL so tough just because you never know. I mean, we were loaded on paper this year. Like, I know they went to the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2018. And even like before this season, talking to, to Gordon and Huff, they both thought this team was better than that team on paper coming in. Um, it's just one of those situations where you can never really tell as far as injuries go. And then it's also just a lot of luck with like the Flyers, um, like the way we just had this year. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's always kind of one of those tough calls with the AHL is what's the more important goal to develop your players or to win. And I think we did one of those very successfully this year. Um, so I think it's, it's always cool when you see like, I mean, what do we have? Seven, eight guys make their NHL debuts this year. I mean, Turinsky, Bunneman, Kasha, Rupsa, Frost, Farabee. I mean, you know, so it's crazy. It's, and it didn't even seem like that. Like they played so well all year. Like who would have guessed they had eight guys make their debut? Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, but it's one of those things where, like, but that hurts us because, like, our power play, like, we're losing guys every game mm-hmm. getting called up. And we, as soon as, like, okay, our, our power play is really starting clicking, and then Frost gets called up. I mean, Andrioff's going up. Like, Verobia, Obikivel, we lost Myers after a month. So it's kind of – it's Friedman went up a couple of times. So it's like this, as soon as we kind of, okay, here's our lineup, it changes. And then you throw in the injuries, I mean – a couple of like Bunneman was out for a month. O'Reilly was out for a month or so. And he's probably like, he's our top goal scorer. So even like the, the high end kind of HL guys we brought in, like some of them got hurt. Bigra was hurt for a little bit in the beginning of the year. Willinski missed some time. It's like we just, everyone got hurt and then we're called up. So it's tough again, it's, okay. I'm, I'm like you said, I'm, on paper, we should be good. Um, we're going to be young, which makes me a little bit nervous just because I think, we did lose some of those vets and we're, we're going to have a lot of young, young flyers prospects. I think, I think it's going to be one of those years again, where we're kind of developing more than competing for a Calder cup. But if all those young guys click all at once and the flyers stay healthy, yeah, we could be, we could be really good, which would be cool. All those call-ups, how does that affect your, your job as public relations? I know it's, you're not, dying to get guys or fans to show up and come to the games but if you're like come see morgan frost or come see this guy and they're up and down you really don't know when they're gonna actually be there and play Uh, does it just make your job any tougher yeah definitely it definitely makes my job tougher as far as like you said kind of the fans i mean luckily i do think our fans are actually more than you think there to just see the phantoms and specific players typically um but as far as like like community wise too, like if we have events and a guy gets gets called up and then he can't do it, so it's just like scrambling and with timing wise too, it's like I mean little things that like no one cares about, but affects me is like I got to print all the stats and media packets and I print all the notes and then I get a call that we're someone's getting sent down at four o'clock and now I got to reprint all the roster cards and like run them around and the little things like that. Like funny story, it wasn't really a call up, but. Uh, this year, we had a school visit planned for like 1.30, I want to say, at a school. And 
the team's off this day, and I'm down. This was the uh, the day of the trade deadline, so I'm down in the locker room with, with a couple a couple of guys already working out, and like we're kind of just watching like the trade center on on the TV in the locker room. And I'm sitting there with like Kyle Criscuolo and Curtis Gabriel Freeman, I think, was in there. A couple other guys, and and Kyle was going to the school visit in like maybe a half an hour, and I like grabbed his jersey and I was like. I was like, all right, Kyle, like, I'll meet you at the school. Like, I'm just going to run upstairs, like, eat lunch quick. I'll meet you over at the school. So I go upstairs, and Kyle calls me, like, literally 10 minutes later. And he's like, hey, I'm not going to make it to the school visit. And at this point, it's, like, in 20 minutes. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, uh, I just got traded. Damn. And, like, he had just gotten traded. He got traded to Anaheim. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I just got <laughs> traded. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I can't really talk, though, because I got to call my agent. <laughs> I was like, okay, bye. Oh, so I'm like, now I'm scrambling. So, like, I had to call, like, Reese Wilcox. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you got, like, he's like, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm in bed. I'm like, you got to get out of bed. You got to go to the school <laughs> on the street. Like, Kyle just got traded. I need someone to do it. Like, I'll you a huge favor. Can you please do this? <laughs> so, that was a little crazy, just trying did to scramble. Did he do it? So, yeah, he did it. Reese is awesome. But it was kind of like, Kyle, it, I was like, I literally was in 10 minutes ago. And he's like, uh, yeah, I just got traded, so. That's crazy. Yeah, I can't do that school, but do you have guys that you know if something like that happened that you can kind of rely on or at least try, like re, like Wilcox? Yeah, typically. Um, so our, our team is really good, and I, I mean every hockey player. This is kind of what makes doing community relations in hockey the best. Is our guys are awesome. Um, we do a ton of events. Actually, we were like we won an award in the HL for like the best like community engagement this year. Not a big deal. Um, and so, well, like, so like, I'll typically just go out in the locker room, like maybe a week before we have an event and I'll just write like a sign up sheet. So I don't need, like, I don't, I'm not forcing guys to do it. I mean, if no one signs up or I need one more guy and only two sign up, like, yeah, then you kind of can kind of nudge a guy. Like typically it's the rookies or if not, it's again, the guys I know. Yeah, I'll do it. Like Curtis Gabriel's one where Curtis signs up for everything almost immediately um there's times he's even like he'll text me like before i even put one up he's like hey do we have anything next week because i'm like trying to plan my week and i don't want to like schedule something if we have a community event and i'm like dude you can like plan your life you don't have to like <laughs> and he's like no no no. like i want to be available in case there's like a school reading or a hospital thing um it's cool man it's awesome so, so curtis is always a good one um yeah reese is good greg carey's good so it's usually the vets are, are good but I mean, this year we had we had rookies too, like like Isaac Ratcliffe. He was great about doing pretty much anything I asked, and it was a combination of the rookie card and also like he'd willing to do it. And like Matt Strom too. And when Strom was he was in Reading for a bit, but when he was with us, he was awesome about doing things. So you do have those. You have the guys that you know. I mean, they'll do it. Like there's certain like I would say everyone does at least one or two community events throughout the year. But there's certain guys you just know kind of don't want to do it. They're just doing it because they feel like they should which is fine. I don't like, I'm not judging anyone. It's, Hey, you're, you're there to play hockey, but my attitude is typically I want guys who want to be there. Cause I think, especially if you're like with kids, pretty easy to tell who wants to be there and who's just reading the book to read the book and get out. And then who's kind of having fun with it. And it's funner for the kids. It's funner for them. It's funner for everyone. So I'll kind of, I kind of lean on the guys I know want, want to do it. Can you tell us more about this rookie card here? Well, it's just just easier to kind of, I mean, I'm not going to make a guy with, like, Nate Prosser's got, like, 900 kids. I'm not going to make him, like, 
spend his afternoon, like after practice, like he's got to go take care of his, his kids. I'm not going to make him go do extra stuff. Uh, we're pretty good about not kind of playing the rookie card, but it's always like, it'll always kind of trickle down where it's like, all right, I asked Nate, I asked the vets, like this guy's busy. This guy can't do it. Yeah. You're a rookie. rookie. Like, <laughs> you kind of got to do it. And it is easier again. Like when you have a guy like, like Isaac Ratcliffe, who you, you don't even have to really say that. You just say like, Hey, Raddy, can you do this event tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, no problem. Same thing with like Strom was like that too. And so it's like, and there's like, there's certain rookies you kind of don't make do it. Cause you know, like they don't want to, or like, but with those guys, like they always kind of trickle down to them and like, whether like, yeah, like, there's certainly things that like frost I would kind of make him do things just cause I'm like, Hey, you're not going to be here long. Do, do it. Like, do it. I got to get you going to this one school and where you're going. I think Fairby actually got called up the day before he was supposed to do something with Morgan and he got Fairby got called up like the day before. And then Morgan's like, Oh, well, I guess we can't go. I'm like, you can still go. <laughs> What's he like in the locker room? Because he, he kind of looks to me like he's kind of more quiet, keeps to himself. I think we had Isaac on. I think he got him on for us before the season. I want to say maybe a, August, September. And he had some stories about Morgan, I think. If you guys remember, he's sitting there playing uh, the Xbox or whatever with the headphones and his little lawn chair. And I think he, he mentioned they had just moved into like an apartment and everyone's kind of like doing their own thing and they're looking for Morgan. And he's sitting there in a lawn chair playing Xbox with all kinds of like Cheetos bags all over the place. Is he is he just like a like a big kid or what? Yeah, definitely. That that's that doesn't surprise me. Uh, my favorite thing about Morgan is when before games, like you can kind of tell everyone's routine. Like there's certain guys that are 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 ready, I guess, faster than others to go out. And and then as the guys like get dressed, like some guys are half dressed, full dressed, and they're ready to go. And then some guys like whoever's the first one read it. I think it's usually James DeHaas actually. He'll like, he goes and stands by the door and he's standing there and he's waiting. And then like guys just slowly trickle in and like the whole team will be like fully dressed, like pads, helmet, gloves. And they're like waiting by the door. And Morgan is still in like tights and like, it's like spandex. It's like, dude, like we had a game in like 30 seconds and he just like goes and just throws his gear on and just <laughs> runs out. He's like always, he's always the last one like out of the locker room to get dressed. So he's, it, that's kind of him. He's just kind of, he's in it. He puts his headphones on. He just, he's very laid back, I think, but he's okay. awesome. He's, he's, he's super nice. He's, he's another one too that like when you watch him, like this kid is going to be nasty. It's not like a superstition thing, is it? You got any superstitious guys in there? The goalies obviously are always superstitious. Alex, Alex Lyon's pretty. Goalies always make me nervous because I'm always like so careful not to talk to them because I don't want to like <laughs> throw throw them off. Not really. I mean, guys like will do little things like just like the way they get dressed. Like, go oh, put the left skate on before they're right. Um, they're a little stitious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, did you get that one, Jack? Did I like that? That's a good rep. Good rep. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I can't remember that did. You ever have Jordan Wheel down there? Did he ever play with the Phantoms, guys? I can't re- I can't remember for some reason. No, he got he did play with the Phantoms, but he was gone. Before, he got traded before I, I was I was here. Okay, okay, then you missed it then, because he supposedly has some crazy pregame rituals, man. We heard some some good stories about Jordan Wheel in a past episode. Curtis, oh, Curtis Gabriel has some weird ones. Uh, he'll always like stick handle for 
like in the lock, like in the hallway. Um, and then on the ice, it's like, he gets so, he's like a psychopath. He's the nicest guy maybe I've ever worked with. He's just like, he's awesome. And like, he's been doing a great job the last couple of months too. Like he's like super, he's a very big advocate for like a lot of, a lot of really good causes. He's, he's, he was our man of the year this year. So he's awesome. But when he's on the ice, he's like, he goes in like crazy mode. He like, during warmups, he'll just like sprint full speed, like down the blue line and just like smash into the boards as hard as he can. And like during the anthem, he just like, like it was like rock back and forth. He's like grunting. Like he's, he's crazy. Amped <laughs> like, up. He yeah. He gets himself pumped. He does some weird things, but try to, like no, no one else is, like too like obvious. It's always like, like the way they stand before us. Like everyone's kind of stands in the same order before they take the ice, like little things like that. Yeah, they yeah. kind of all, all do. Yeah, I find that really interesting that you, you mentioned that about uh, Gabriel because before he came to the Phantoms or the Flyers, I think our opinions of him were kind of like, ah, oh, man, this guy's a jerk. He's a dirty player. You know, you know that unfortunate uh, hit with Nolan Patrick. You know, we have that kind of biased view of the other team. Maybe it wasn't even really that bad, but we saw it and we were like, oh, he did it on purpose. I actually had the chance to talk to this guy, uh, Curtis Gabriel, a couple months ago on another show. And he's just like, he's a huge sweetheart, really genuine, good, honest dude. You, you feel like you're actually talking to him. You know, you know how you get a lot of guys that'll, you know, maybe put on some kind of a front, like, yeah, I play in the, in, in the NHL, the AHL. I felt like I was talking to him. Do you know what I mean? He's a, just a good, genuine human being. And it was just the complete kind of opposite of, uh, of what I expected. Do you know what I mean? I think that's something that too, I've, I've definitely learned being like working in hockey. I think that is, it's one of those like common misconceptions with, with hockey, I think is like, you always like that term scumbag. I feel like it's thrown around a lot. And I, I always find, and I, I like talk to other people like in the league or in just other sports. And I think almost across the board, I find that the meanest, baddest, biggest dude on the team is always like the nicest, softest teddy bear off the ice. Like, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, I mean, you guys talk about the Islanders. Like when I was in Bridgeport, like Ross Johnson was the nicest, like most caring, like the Tyler first person right. to say hi to you in the locker room. The first person, like he'd go talk to every kid, like high five every kid, like go to every hospital visit, every school visit. Um, like even like growing up, like I always heard stories like when I was a Bruins fan that like nobody did more charity work in Boston than Sean Thornton. Like it's just a guy, and then he bash people sculling on the ice yeah. and then he's like the nicest guy off the ice and that's like johnson was like that with the islanders and then like that like gabriel is by definitely like that and like you've heard i mean you just hear it everywhere i mean even like i'm trying to think of a flyers like example like i mean even like wayne simmons kind of played that like on the edge and like i mean he's i think every flyers fan like i'm also too like i like maybe just because i've been like my grandpa like grew up watching hockey. So I always heard the stories from him is like, I think people like that are good for the game. Like I love, uh, like I love Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand is so yeah, good for hockey. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes he crosses the line, but Tom Wilson, I think is so good for hockey. Matthew Kachuk yeah. is so good for hockey because a isn't half the fun of being a hockey fan, not only loving your team, but hating another team. I love that. He said that if every it's guy was just like a little bit, yeah, like, yeah, guess what? Everyone loves Connor McDavid. He's awesome. What's the fun in that? Like, you yeah. you want to hate the other team. That's half the fun is, like, half the fun to be a Bruins fan was hating the Canadians. Was, like, I used to hate 
P.K. Subban with every fiber of my being. But now, like, you see him, and, like, he's just, like, this funny, like, likable guy. Like, ever since, like, with Nashville and Jersey, it's like, how could you not like that guy? He's awesome. I'm like, well, because he used to be a Canadian. <laughs> like, I even laugh, like, I remember growing up in the, I forget what year it was, but the, the Bruins and Canadians played in the playoffs. And Milan Lucic and Dale Weiss were going at it the whole series. And that was the series. And then in the handshake line after, uh, Lucic told Weiss he was going to kill him. And I was like, yeah, kill him. And then... <laughs> And then we was on the Flyers last year, and he got sent down to the Phantoms for like maybe a month or so, and like could not have been nicer. Like just the nicest guy. And like I even told him, I was like, "Dude, I used to hate you growing up." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, that was my job." I'm like, "You did it very well." <laughs> so like, you kind of have to get that like that's that's their role. That's like what they're doing, and they're they do it well. Like I was I was laughing when when uh when Flyers fans, like, especially the ones that, like, I've gotten to know, who, like, know I'm a Bruins fan, like, always talk about how much they hate Brad Marchand. I'm like, he's literally Travis Konechny with, like, more skill. So it's like, how could you hate Marchand and love Konechny when they're the same player? And I think they're both awesome. Like, they're both great. Like, that's what makes hockey great is, like, the Flyers are fun to watch when Konechny's yipping and slashing people in the heels. Like, that's what makes Konechny good. And he plays better when he does it. That's like with Marshawn. If, if Marshawn's struggling, he'll just go elbow someone in the teeth, and then he scores the next game. It's like, yeah, sometimes he got to get himself going. I heard it. it's almost like a heel in wrestling. It's it's exactly. a character. Yeah and, yeah, and they're just really good at doing it, and they get the results. It is. They're, they're literally playing a role to help get their, fan, their fans, the boys, like, protect their teammates. And, again, you, you see it when, like, sometimes guys – the fact that they can turn it on and off, too, is, like – like I said, like you can tell when when Marshawn goes a couple games without scoring, like you know he's about to do some shady stuff because that's how he gets himself going and it works. And connecting is a little bit like that too. Like in the playoffs, I mean, obviously he didn't score, but like he started playing way better when he started stirring the pot with Gallagher. He started playing way better after that, and it works. Like that's that's what makes that's that's to me what I love about hockey. Yeah, we could have used more shadiness from PK. <laughs> and you're a so lot more. <laughs> He was lacking in all departments, in the shady department, in the gold department. We needed well, it. He was just one lick away from, you know, turning it on. <laughs> he should have done it. He should have got results, it. I would have taken it. It works. Even if he had to lick somebody in the face. Yep, do whatever. Win at all costs. <laughs> all right, maybe not during COVID, but. Well, yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, that's probably a no-no. But any other time, I'm I'm fine with the licking if he keeps scoring 100, 100 points. Did you go to the Winter Classic up there, Flyers Bruins? I didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I've actually never been to one. It's kind of on my my what? my bucket list. Yeah. How could you not have been to one, man? You got to go to one. Yeah, I the Flyers Bruins, the one at Fenway, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fenway. That was. Uh, I was like. I think that was what, what year was that? Because that was early on. I want to say like 2010, 2009, yeah. maybe. Like, yeah, it was around yeah. that. So I was in like high school at that point. So that's kind of, it would have been tough. That was a good time. You ever been to Fanway before? Oh, yeah. It's weird Lots in there. What? It's weird in there. The yeah. Seats it's are small. really small and stuff. Small. It's cool. It's like a cool place. I mean, I hate it the Red Sox. So I hate the Red Sox, but it's cool. I've had. I've had, I was like seven one time. I had like beer dumped on me. I was like, for wearing a Wait, beer. 
It's like, dude, I'm like seven years old. Calm down. <laughs> That's so messed up. Philly doesn't yeah. do that. Yeah, they just throw batteries. Wait, I, I, throw uh, I thought you were going to say. There's no snowballs. I've heard enough of that. I can't. I, I forgot I have to like embrace Philly now. I thought you were going to say snowballs. You went batteries. Wow. I love Philly. <laughs> There's your PDR. I, like the, I, do like the, I do like the Phillies a lot. Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> yeah, the Phillies are okay. The Phillies are great because they have all like former Yankees. So. Oh, Gregorius. Who else? Koch. Koch was Koch. a Yankee. Neil Walker. Well, they just cut him, but he was a Yankee. Yeah, he stinks, though. Gonna use some of their bullpen guys. That's so you have, uh, yeah, Robertson. He's a former Yankee. He's been hurt, though. But... Oh, my yeah. God. He played, like, one game he's... for the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a current IR guy. This Damn last year. Yeah. He's so, great in the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, we, fell, we fell right into that one. <laughs> you spend a lot of time in the city? Wait, where? I mean, without putting your business out there, where are you now? Are you in Lehigh Valley? Um, so my my girlfriend works in Reading, and I work in obviously Allentown. So we we live like right in the middle, kind of towns like Fleetwood. It's kind of out by Kutztown, basically in the middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, it's about about halfway between Reading and Fleetwood or in Allentown. So we're about a little more than an hour from from Philly. Um, I don't go to the city too much. Um. Like my girlfriend's obviously like all Philly sports. So like we typically go, we'll go to like two or three, two or three Phillies games a year. We'll go to usually a couple of Flyers games. Um, obviously they have been going on. We can't go to any games this year, but yeah, we'll, tip, we'll typically go to like, whether it's maybe five to 10 times a year, just based on like either sporting games or concerts or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can't wait for sports to come back, dude. It's been too long. I, I saw. I don't know if you pay. If you guys pay attention, we're a little bit off topic here. But if you guys pay attention to what they're doing in Europe with the soccer and everything, they're going to start allowing fans to come back. And I wonder if they're going to follow over here because I feel like we're like three weeks up to a month behind with everything over here, and they're going to start allowing fans when they start the new season for, I want to say Premier League or the German league. So I'm wondering if we're going to see fans in the stands when the NHL starts back up. Or when the AHL starts back up. Do you think that'll be at full capacity, or are they going to really limit them? I don't know. So I didn't read the rest of the article. I just kind of took it for what I saw. I'm like, oh, fans are coming back. Um, so, I think what's tough with that is it's like hockey's indoors. Yeah. Which is going to be like the big X factor. Because obviously, like, even with football, like, I mean, the Jaguars had, had fans this week. And you see, like, in colleges in the south, like they all have, some of them have what twenty five, fifty percent capacity. I mean, you got like sports like NASCAR, like had <laughs> fifty thousand people. Um, I think the the indoors is going to be a big, a big problem. Have you heard anything about what they could potentially do? I mean, I feel like you'd be a guy that might need to know this kind of stuff. Yeah, we uh, we definitely do. Um, I haven't heard anything. Uh, I think a lot of it's 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 weird because like a lot of stuff I feel like doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, restaurants are allowed twenty five percent capacity, but indoor places are only allowed like you're only allowed to have a gathering of twenty five indoors. Twenty five people. Twenty five people indoors. So like yeah, like I can only have twenty five people in my apartment. That makes sense. That's 
probably a good rule more than that would be a lot (laughs) but then when you like look at it is okay so your friendly neighborhood bar could have 25 percent capacity so like let's say like i don't know like chickies and pete's holds probably 400 500 people so chickies and pete's could have a chickies and pete's could have 200 people in it yeah but by their rules ppl center which holds 10,000 people is only allowed to have 25 people in it. Doesn't make sense. Yet the bar can have, like, there's a Chickies and Pizza attached to our arena. That Chickies and Pizza, we could have 150 people in. Our 10,000 seat arena, we can only have 25. Yeah, it makes so, no like, sense. Yeah. So I think if there's a way to kind of do it with reduced capacity and spread people out, I mean, I think, like, you can utilize suites. There's, I mean, you see, even you see it with, with football. I mean, yeah, it's tough because it's outdoors. But, like, I think there's a way where you just, like, okay, every three seats or whatever, it's better than nothing. I think I think if, if, if the NFL and college can pull it off, it's going to obviously help and be a good sign for us. But we really don't know. We don't, we don't know anything at this point, which sucks. So they're kind it sucks of playing by you, too. Yeah, it's like we can't really plan anything. We can't really, like, prepare. Yeah, that kind of sucks. So. What's like kind of the status for the AHL season now? Like, are they planning on trying to do a full season? Are they planning on doing 60 games? You heard anything about that? Last I heard, which was like a month or so ago, is the right now, like, their wording is that we will, they're going to try to play at December 4th, start December 4th at the earliest. I don't necessarily, I don't know, it's hard. Like, Totally, like, I don't know anything. No one tells us anything. I don't even know that anybody knows anything. I think it's still just totally wait and see. My personal beliefs is December is probably wishful thinking. And the AHL is going to be tough just because we don't have TV deals. So if we're not allowed to have people in the building, I don't know that the AHL can afford to play. Um, I don't know. I, it's tough. I don't, I don't know the numbers on, like, okay, well, can we do it with 25%? Like, even that may not be enough. Um, whereas, like, the NHL at least could probably subsidize that with their TV deal. Like, they're still getting paid by NBC Sports Philly and all, like, their sponsors and TV deals. You can still sell a huge logo on the ice and make money from that because it's going to be seen on TV every game where it's like, who's putting a logo on our ice if no one's going to see it? So that's sure. that's kind of the tough thing with the AHL. It's just it's 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 so gate driven. Where if we don't have fans, we don't make any money. Yeah, there's some there's going to be some teams in some rough spots that don't that aren't actually like affiliated with an NHL club, right? That don't have you know that's, any team. That's the other deals. problem is like yeah, like that like the Sound Tigers are owned by the Islanders. So can they probably make it work for a season? Yes, like we're independently owned, so. I don't know what our story is. Same thing. Like, there's forget the numbers. I think it's about half. How about half independent, halfs owned by their affiliate. I mean, there's it's all it's just. I mean, I'm not. We don't hear anything internally, so it's all like the same things you guys hear on Twitter. Is the same things I'm getting my information. It's like just rumors and people saying like, like there's rumors that some NHL teams have said that they'll kind of put the bill if they have to, but I don't even know if they, like, if they don't have, they're not making money. How are they going to do that? So it sucks. Be interesting, man. Crazy times. Yeah. It's, it's kind of scary not knowing. I mean, you have to like, 
all these like AHL and H like free agents who like don't know if they're gonna like have a job or Comcast better foot the bill. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, they're gonna help out a little bit. Like I'm 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 hopeful that that the NHL like that will play even without it's just kind of the NHL deems that they need their prospects if a taxi squad is good enough or if they need them playing actual games. Cause you see with baseball, they do like the taxi squad, but it's a little different. Like hitting the baseball, hitting the baseball kind of no matter what the circumstances are, where it's like playing hockey. I mean, if you're playing and just scrimmaging against yourself every day, is that, is that going to help Morgan Frost develop as much as playing against other people would? Um, so I am hopeful that the NHL will decide that they want their prospects playing real games. Um, especially when you look at our team, we're pretty much going to be entirely prospects. So I think, I think it would hurt. It would hurt the NHL if the AHL is not playing, in my opinion. I mean, you saw it this year. We had what eleven guys get called up. Like, how are you going to throw a guy into the? Like even like that's what like I know like Flyers fans were we're kind of clamoring for Morgan Frost to go in a couple of games here and there to kind of, I remember like, I love Morgan. I, I think Morgan's going to be a sick NHL player, but I was like the whole time, I'm like, this guy hasn't played a hockey game in like six months. And you guys want him to play like game seven of the playoffs. Like are that's you what not? we were saying. Like, I get it. Fans are like, Hey, Morgan's a goal scorer. Put him in. It's like, okay, but he hasn't played hockey in six months. Like, that's insane. <laughs> So we we're right there with you, man. We I mean, agree. But then again, Oscar did it, so I guess you know. I guess, <laughs> I guess he, that's a different story. But yeah, yeah, I got questions about that too. It's a good. It's I mean, it's a good story. You love to see it, but I got questions. Uh, well, at least it inspired the team. You would think, in some way, shape, or form, compared to Frost just coming up and having what just practiced, yeah, not actually yeah. played. And then he gets yeah, his first exactly. hit, and it's like shocking. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't want to cut this short because we could talk to you all night, Mike. It's been a pleasure having you on, dude. Thank you once again. Uh, before we let you go here, do you have anything you want to plug? No, not really. Um, just I guess, Thanks for having me. And, yeah, anytime you guys want me to come back, I'm always happy oh, to come on and shoot, sure, shoot and breathe. Absolutely. Yeah, we, gotta, we have to do this more often. It's good to finally talk to you. It's been – I mean, we've been talking for – I guess over a year now, you got us guys like Connor Bonneman, uh, Carson Torinsky, Isaac Ratcliffe. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I missed anybody. I missed anybody, guys. Well, Pascal LaBerge bailed on us. <laughs> <laughs> he really? That. I know that. I think nah, he had an I, issue with Skype or something. Yeah, like there was a Skype issue. Well, I guess I can't really blame him for that. <laughs> nah, yeah, we almost had <laughs> <it> tonight. <laughs> So, yeah, Mike, you're the man. We uh, we appreciate everything you've done for us so far, and we appreciate you coming on, joining us for the episode. And we'll definitely have to get together again too uh, soon, man. Yeah, no problem, yeah. Anytime you guys need me, uh, not, not really got a lot going on right now. So. Uh-huh. All it's right, a pleasure Mike. meeting you. Pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, best one, guys. All right, boys and girls. Mike Ionello, the public relations guy from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms did I forget the? Did I forget what PR meant on the episode or before the episode? You asked him during the episode. Ah, <laughs> oh, god damn it! So literally, I could really not have been worse. It meant, but in that <laughs> moment, I forgot, and I, I I got his profile in front of me. All all he had to do is hand it over to me. It had been like community engagement and public relations manager, and we'd have been set. And instead, Jim goes, "I, I PR mean. <laughs> 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 That's what it means. <laughs> 
dude, I completely froze. I'm like, oh, I can't. I think about what PR means right now. So fuck it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So Mike was Mike's a good guy. He's been helping us get some guys on the show for I think like over a year now, man. Like I mentioned, we had some good prospects on. Uh, speaking of prospects, guys, we're getting the HW Prospect Show rebooted. For we, I think we're going to start it up next week. We're going to have we have a star-studded cast. You guys know by now. Uh, we're going to do a mock draft the weekend before the NHL draft. If you guys saw that video, you know who's drafting who. Uh, Jack will be on that. Uh, Steve, I can't. I'm not going to name everybody now. You guys already know. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have full circles out. You guys should have already listened to that. If you haven't, make sure you listen, or you'll never understand this episode. Um, <laughs> make sure you check out the bright side coming out on Friday. I think we're going to have another Jim and Jim episode this week sometime. Uh, what did I miss? Uh, you know, I, I would still go back and listen to the latest Saddlemeyer episode. That was really good. There, I mean, they, these stories are out of this world and they are hysterical. Especially if you grew up watching guys like Ken Hitchcock and whoever else. Like, oh it, it was for a bad season. He had some funny stories. Shakira came on at the gym the other night. I think I might have told you guys that. Oh, my God. And all I thought about was Hitchcock shaking his hips or tapping his foot. She would bubble gum. You know what I like? At this point in the episode, I just wanted to extend it as long as possible because I can see Kyle's suffering. He is suffering. <laughs> He was suffering <laughs> earlier. <laughs> falling asleep. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up, guys. Uh, look for some new articles coming out within the next week or so. If you did not read my trade wish list article, do that and be kind. Reddit was not, so I could use some not mean words. So we're going to wrap up, guys. HW will be back next week for... I think we're going to make it episode one. I think we're going to start season three next week. This is going to be the last episode of season two. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we're excited for another season, and we will talk to you next week. Oh, my God. I didn't record that. we got to do it again. Jimmy Daniels,